So right. I'm going to throw in some good news because we've been talking about, are we in a recession? Aren't we in a recession? We don't think so. It's very possible that it gets labeled a recession. Two quarters in a row, shrinkage, we could probably see that. Is it a recession? Well, it doesn't follow the pattern of unemployment. Uh, people are making more money, not less money. So there's a lot of other things that we look at, and that doesn't seem recessionary. Not to mention the fact that there's more trucks going up and down I-35. Right. If this is called a recession, they'll be using yet again another definition of recession at the conference board. So now on to the good news. The good news is that you should start to see prices falling on some stuff. Yep. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and... Jeff McClure. And uh, we are, now that we've said our, our names, we always have this little blank. What, what are we supposed to do again? Now, what are we supposed to do now? We, we're supposed to do some kind of a program here on the economy. This is the personal wealth coach. And hopefully today we'll be enlightening you with things about finance or maybe more likely befuddling you with the complexity of the world that we live in. Hopefully can we can enlighten more than befuddle, but often what we wind up with is befuddlightenment there. So Beflight, it's beflightenment. Beflightenment. Um, right. So before we get started, though, we have to disclose some things. The Personal Wealth Coach is not just the name of this radio program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Why are we telling you that? Because we fall under some different regulations. Uh, it's registered with the SEC as a investment advisory firm. That means fiduciary advice given and so on. We don't give fiduciary advice on the air. We can't. It's not private. We don't know all of you. Uh, we can't custom tailor our advice to you. Even if you're sending us an email, it wouldn't be private for us to answer it on the air. So we give educational information while we're on here, and I think that's pretty important to know. Um, just because the SEC is who the firm registers with to be a fiduciary doesn't mean that the SEC likes us or dislikes us. It doesn't imply that the SEC has any feelings at all. In fact, I don't think they have feelings. I think they're pretty unfeeling out there. They are a government agency. It's, it's, if it's not in triplicate, it doesn't exist. I think they feel untrusting. Yes, and that's their role. I mean, they're supposed to be untrusting. So right. we got we to say that, and it's important for you to understand. And now, your would, would you deem to tell us the next uh, The information that we use in this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Or, or especially unsaid information. The accuracy and completeness of unsaid information is strictly a not guaranteed. I will guarantee that unsaid information has not been said. Oh, wow. I see what you did there. It is not complete. Right. Hmm. I will guarantee the incompleteness of unsaid information. But what about if we type it? On the radio? Yeah, it's a very, very new, new media. It's, uh, this is going to be uh, Web 4.0. Oh, I yeah. thought it was 
it's called web, the, it's Webex. actually moving backwards it's it's the telegraph oh yeah. oh yeah. oh or teletype yeah so so we could do it um we also don't pay for this time on the station we are also not paid for the time this is not a paid commercial program uh the firm advertises about the radio program but that's it uh the studio also advertises about the radio program there is no quid pro quo senator in fact i think if we said we were gonna stop doing the radio program um i don't know that it would go over so well at the studio i think they would not like that um for mm. some reason i might be wrong i mean i haven't talked to them about it in a long time so uh, i think they like us still so what happened this week in the market something happened in the market this week yeah we started the week um on Monday. With a Monday. But the problem was well, that the market was, was all confused. It didn't want to start the week on a Monday. Uh, it, so it didn't. We skipped it. It was weird. It was. We had a four-day week in the market, even though the week is very clearly on the calendar with seven days. Mm -hmm. Well, the market, the stock market, if we mean the S&P 500 stock index, affectionately known as SPX to its uh, friends and neighbors, um, rose 1.94% to 3899.38, which is not bad. It's still down about 18% this year. It's down 10.76% from this time last year. However, if we look back three years, and that is the shortest period of time I would consider an investment to be an investment, it's up about 28% or about 8.44% a year. That so sounds really horrible. Is, horrible. It's, it's not, not in bad shape at all. Right. It's, it's uh, 8.44% a year in the environment we've had over the last three years, I think is pretty good. Um, and I just saw a typo in our newsletter that we all missed. Um, we actually said our other follow-up to index. <laughs> the CRSP mid-cap value index declined 0.10% for the week to 2263.76. Yeah, okay. And it's down 12.84% this year and 7.33% for the last 12 months, which tells you that value stocks are doing, over the last 12 months, have done better than growth stocks as a group. And smaller stocks have done better than large stocks since uh, at least recently. Okay? Mid-scap stocks, anyway. And just as a quick, there isn't a typo in the newsletter. I'm looking at it right now. It says, oh. our, our other followed index. Mm. Oh, wow. So you have a typo in an early version or something. I don't know. It's funny because it disappeared as I moved the PDF around. Anyway. Oh, that's autocorrect for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the 10-year U.S. Treasury did something interesting that actually makes a lot of sense if you follow this stuff. Uh, it it uh, is sitting at 3.078%. It's been up considerably higher than that. It's been down lower than that. It's wobbling around up and down. Uh, and there's a whole, I could talk a lot about that, and I probably will if we get enough time. The Treasury yield curve, and this made a lot of headlines, but so far is not significant. The Treasury yield curve from two years to 10 years is very, very, very slightly negative, meaning that the 10-year uh, yield um, is is 3.078, and the two-year note is yielding 3.115. So that means the two-year interest rate on Treasuries is very slightly higher than the 10-year Yield, which is an inversion. It's not much of an inversion. Uh, now, if it goes on for two more weeks and it gets worse, then there is a fairly high probability that some form of recession is on the horizon someplace as much as 18 months out. Uh, so the 30-year 
The 30-year bond, on the other hand, remaining on the positive side of the slope. It's up at 3.251. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, yay. Uh, dropped a little more. It's at uh, 104.86, cents a barrel. The majority of people cheer when crude oil drops and don't cheer when the stock market drops. That's because they don't burn stocks in their car. I hope not. But maybe, well, maybe they we, could. But maybe we could do that, if, especially since they don't issue certificates anymore. Just be the electronic stuff being burned. So, in a sense, in a sense, you can you can liquidate some stocks, use the dollars you got from liquidating the stocks to buy gasoline and burn the gasoline. Right. That's cool. All right. Um, that's pretty much it. Gas prices are down a bit, uh, as people have noticed, which is why I was going yay because people are driving less. We're using about 13% gasoline than, we're, than we were a couple of years ago. 13% uh, less gasoline? In June. Yeah. Uh, diesel and gasoline. Well, diesel is still being used a lot, but what we've seen is uh, recreational use, meaning people who are just driving places because they want to drive place, places has fallen, which is, by the way, absolutely normal. I, hey, I'm, when, a, I'm a recreational user of gasoline. I'll let you know that right now. All right. Well, as long as we don't pass a law against it. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you get pulled over and said, do you have any gasoline? Oh, he's got uh, gasoline. Take uh, him to jail. Uh, no, I'm a professional user. Don't, don't, don't worry. Anyway, the, uh, the, we're using in June and going into the July 4th weekend, we apparently, as a nation, use significantly about 13% less gasoline than we used in 2019. It was, I say two years, it was two, three years ago now. It's hard pre, to imagine. Pre-pandemic, we used a lot less gasoline in 2020, but that's because <clears> a lot of people weren't driving at all for big chunks of that time period. I heard pre-pandemic referred to as BC the other day, Be before COVID. Before COVID? Yeah, so the, 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 the history of the world is now divided into BC AD. and AC. <laughs> Wait, and, and CE and BCE. Well, BCE, that's too long ago. Nobody remembers that. And the, but and when they, people say BC now, they mean before COVID, not before Christ. Calendars all worked backward back then anyway. So yeah, a lot happened this week. One, of, one of the things that I thought it would be important to talk about this week is we've throughout the last week, we were looking at research uh, at the firm on uh, interest rates and when they invert and looking at the different levels of risk in a recession and really kind of drilling down into that to say, what do we think's going on? We've got a lot of data that's coming in from a lot of different places. And when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, as they've been doing, and they claim they will into the future, they should be believed, by the way, when they claim that. It has a slowing impact on the economy. The economy cannot grow as quickly, and it might start shrinking. So we were you know, I was digging through numbers and you were digging through different numbers, but really what it comes back to, and we said it in the newsletter, it's really hard to imagine a recession when unemployment is so low, when there's this, when we're at an employment rate that is really, really high, people have jobs. They, that's not generally what happens during a recession. You don't have more hiring and we just had a big jobs report um, come out. So in June, the United States economy added 372,000 jobs. Uh, we're now in many areas of the economy more employed than we were pre
pre-pandemic. Now, we're still not there in leisure and hospitality, but when we're talking about uh, retail trade and construction, we now have more employment than we did pre-pandemic. So leisure and hospitality is still suffering. It's still down uh, about 7.8%, which, but it, if you look at wage growth in that area, it's also the place that has had the most wage gro- growth since the pandemic started. Leisure and hospitality, they're having to ask people to come from another job, and so they're having to raise the amount that they're willing to pay. Uh, and they're still not back up to where they were. So this causes me to say, I think you're in agreement on this, that the Fed's going to raise interest rates that three quarters of a percent this month, just like they said, even though it may be enough to tip us into not hiring and firing, it also may not. We're not quite there. It's a tough call. I'm glad I'm not on the Fed. Well, generally speaking, uh, again, this is distilled from speakers from the Federal Reserve. Somewhere between two and a half and three and a quarter, they consider to be the neutral rate. And I think they're going to try to get to the new neutral rate as quickly as they can. And we're sitting at, what are we, 1.75? One point. Uh, just a moment. I can actually pull that up. I've got all the research on all the decisions going back. By the way, that's not easy to gather, just for those of you who think, you know, there's just information out there everywhere. So, I'll, I'll just go with 1.75 for a moment. Let's say we're at 1.75% on the Fed rate right now, and they raise it 0.75%. We will be at two and a half with the next meeting. That will leave us another half percent to three quarters of a percent to get to what they consider to be a neutral, probably a neutral rate, which means we'll probably see a couple of quarter percent and maybe a half percent raise going through. The last minutes from the Fed meeting suggested they might throw in like a three-quarter percent and then a quarter percent and then pause to see what the economy is going to do. What does that mean to you in practical terms? For one thing, it means that things are going to slow down in the economy. They're already starting to slow down in the economy. Interest rates are going to go up. Uh, That is something that you should just be aware of. Don't assume things are going to go forward. Housing prices are already starting to fall in various places around the economy because houses are mostly bought with borrowed money. We're at 1.65 percent. Um, quarter percent increments. How do we get to 1.65? Anyway, well, the, right. the the because when we went at zero, they were we were really at 0.1. Oh, okay. We were never actually quite at zero, except in individual cases. The target is zero percent to 0.25 back then, but the reality was that we were resting right about 0.1. And our target right now is 1.5 to 1.75%. Oh, okay, right. And we're at 1.65. So they always Great. put so, it at uh, 10 basis points above the bottom. Yeah, I, I, I always go with a high number, 1.75, just right. for and that's, convenience that is, sake. And that's the way the media reports it as well. That's, so that's fine. So by the end of the year, we'll be up close to 3% in short-term rates. That's the 10-year rate now, which means the 10-year rate, unless we're going to fall flat on our face into a recession, the 10-year rate will go up, which means mortgage rates will go up, which means filling the blanks will go up. The interest rates are going to go up through the through the rest of the year. People will spend less money because interest rates go up. Your car, if you're going to buy a new car at the end of this year, your car payment will be higher for the same dollar value of car than it would be if you bought it today, if you can find one today to buy, which is, of course, one of the problems. Um, it's going to happen. 
just get used to it, get ready for it. Uh, the economy needs to slow down, and it's the Federal Reserve has said we're going to slow the economy down. Now, when we say slow the economy, their goal is not to make it shrink. It's to lessen the speed of its growth. And the Federal Reserve Board voting members seem to have a pretty high degree of confidence they can do that. Even, what was it, uh, Goldman Sachs? No. Anyway, one of, them, one of the big banks just came out with a 38% probability that we will have a recession in the next two years, which is probably pretty fair. Uh, Bloomberg Economics, that's what it was, came out with a 38% probability of a recession within the next year. Some people are saying 50%. That's about as high as it goes. We may get a recession. If so, it'll be relatively mild because, as one of the governors of the Federal Reserve said, this economy has a huge momentum. It has a huge amount of stuff going on. People have, we have very high employment, which people have money to spend. They have high savings, which means they have money to spend. So going into a crash situation where everybody is up to their eyeballs in debt and suddenly can't pay it, which by the way is what happened in 2007 through 2009, ain't going to happen. There's another thing I want to say about that, but I want to pass it to you. Okay. The Federal Reserve during the time since the pandemic start started. I mean, they lowered interest rates. That's one thing. But they also were purchasing bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds on the open market. They were purchasing mortgage-backed securities on the open market. That We used to call that quantitative stimulus. And then when we'd stop it, it was called quantitative easing. And then it became called tapering when you eased it. How much is it that we're talking about? So what was pumped into the economy by purchasing those things? So what happens when the Federal Reserve purchases a bond? If you have a $10,000 bond and the Federal Reserve comes to you and they've just lowered interest rates and they give you $10,200 for that bond or $10,300 for that bond, you go, oh, well, that's a nice price. I'll take that. Then you have money in your hands. You can decide to reinvest it in another bond or you could go out and spend it or you could put it in the bank or you could put it as a down payment on a house. They've been buying back bonds since the beginning of the pandemic. Over the time period that they were buying bonds in mortgage-backed securities and in uh, U.S. Treasury bonds, they put in about $1,892,000,000,000. Almost $2 trillion went in just from the purchases of bonds. Now, back in May, part of the reason why we're seeing all of the uh, changes that we're seeing in the mortgage market and why they're happening so fast is they stopped buying mortgage-backed securities back in September of 2021. Didn't really have a big impact. There was a lot of money still out there. In, in May, May 4th specifically, they started selling mortgage-backed securities back into the market. That means they're sucking money out of that market. That's money that won't be used to pay uh, or to give other loans there. And they're then selling $30 billion a month into the market on U.S. Treasuries. So, like I said, about $1,892,000,000 was put in, and so far they've taken out $95 billion. So we're still nowhere near tapping in all that stimulus that was still out there, all that extra money that was pumped into the economy just in case all the businesses failed. A lot of them did, by the way. The fact that our economy is still roaring ahead has a lot to do with all this extra money that was pumped into it. We may have too much money now, but this is a better problem to have 
than having a Great Depression in a pandemic. That would have been bad. Like bad, yep. bad in bold italics and underlined. That would have been not, not, not good. Um, so we, we're beginning the repayment on the Federal Reserve side, that money pulling back out of the economy. But it, it's having a very direct impact on the mortgage market right now. Big, big impact. But most of that impact was based on fear. There's still a lot of money out there. They've only pulled what? They've pulled $35 billion out of the mortgage-backed security market when they put in $576 billion. So it, the, the reaction with the interest rates driving up as fast as they were in mortgages doesn't make sense. And we saw that the last two weeks. We've seen two big drops in interest rates and mortgages. Freddie Mac came out and two and a half weeks ago, they were saying it's 5.8% to get a loan on a mortgage, 30-year loan, if you've got good credit. Now it's 5.3%. We've had a half a point drop in two weeks because the panic is kind of subsiding. Expect another panic after the next three quarter points. Expect them to spike again. Expect a mild inversion of the yield curve again until the panic goes away. Uh, when they raised interest rates in May and they also started selling back into the market, um, they raised interest rates by half a point and they're selling back into the market. A total of that month, they put in $47.5 billion. Again, we're still talking about almost $2 trillion that they pumped in early. We saw a panic in the long-term bond market, short-term note market, the build market, all of this stuff panicked and jumped way up. And then we saw it try come back down. Then we see another interest rate push that caused it all to get all out of whack again. I think, I think it would not be a good idea to bet against the Federal Reserve at raising interest rates right now. Yeah, we just made 372,000 new jobs. They're trying to fight inflation that means all those people are making money that they didn't have before, which means that's coming into an economy that already has too much money. They have to make money more expensive. It doesn't affect us and whether or not we need to eat wheat that's being restricted from Russia and Ukraine, but it does prevent us from doing a lot of things that are the most inflationary, like the housing market. Anyway, that's, that's a, my, uh, uh, the end of my part of that soapbox. I'll hand it back to you. There is an old saying on Wall Street, and many of the old saying on, sayings on Wall Street are true, and some of them are not. But this one is probably true, and it's don't fight the Fed. Yeah. They, uh, and, there's an old saying about never get into an a argument with someone that buys their ink by the barrel. That's kind of... That's the newspapers. Yeah. Never it get in an ar argument with the Fed about money. That's just, you, you can argue all you want. It doesn't matter. What they say is the rule. <laughs> I think uh, in this case, it's never get in the get in an argument with somebody who owns or runs uh, the number one digital information system, and never get into a battle of wits with the Sicilian when death is on the line. Right, that's right. certainly true. There's there's some others like that. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, but yeah, what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about the Federal Reserve, and then we went oh, into quoting yeah. the Prince's Bride. It's you know, it's it's a natural progression. Well, there's a there's some discussion, and some people are saying, in print at least, or writing, that we're in a, we're in a recession now, and we'll find out later. I don't think so. And one of the reasons is, and you can actually dig into the numbers from the Bureau of Economic Analysis and the Labor Department and find these numbers. 
Uh, we mentioned this in the newsletter. The gross domestic product is the official measure, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily reflect what's actually going on in the economy because gross domestic product has some artificial distortions in it. It's distorted by imports and exports. If our economy is growing strong, frankly, we increase our imports a lot because we buy a lot of stuff. So that, so because of the arcane way that this thing is structured, it shrinks our GDP when we're buying a lot of stuff. No, and Jake and I have talked about this a lot over the years. Right. The fact that an American company making something in northern Mexico and bringing it into the United States Sending the parts to northern Mexico to be made, bringing it back into the United States where the parts have been assembled together and now it's worth more money is not a drain on the American economy. Right. It's, it's a plus to the American economy. The corporation is not paying itself the value of its own thing to move it across the border. It's, there's no and, transaction that's occurred. They've just moved their asset from one place to another. It's worth more when they brought it back because it's all in one piece instead of lots of pieces. That's not a negative export it's it's like the consumer price index does not reflect your cost of living despite the fact that's what it says it is consumer price index. Right. no 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 because you're not if you own your house you're not renting it every month but it the big chunk of this of the consumer price index is the rental value of your house if it goes up then theoretically inflation went up i i have some we use the pce instead which is Basically, what people are actually spending money on in a given month. Did the price of what they are actually spending money on in a given month go up? Well, that's inflation. The other thing is, and this is in the newsletter. If you don't have the newsletter, we'll be glad to send one to you. You just let us know. Send us an email at jeff or jake at tbwc.com. The consumer, the, the gross domestic income in the first quarter didn't shrink. It rose. It looks like the gross domestic income for the second quarter will rise. And just as a side note, these are numbers put out by the same folks that do the GDP, but it's less distorted in the GDI. Uh, I'm sorry that we have to tell you silly acronyms, and some of them are incorrect, but we still use them anyway. But don't forget the PMI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of PMIs. So right. I'm going to throw in some good news. Because we've been talking about, are we in a recession? Aren't we in a recession? We don't think so. It's very possible that it gets labeled a recession. Two quarters in a row, shrinkage, we could probably see that. Is it a recession? Well, it doesn't follow the pattern of unemployment. Uh, People are making more money, not less money. So there's a lot of other things that we look at, and that doesn't seem recessionary. Not to mention the fact that there's more trucks going up and down I-35. Right. If this is called a recession, they'll be using yet again another definition of recession at the conference board. So now on to the good news. The good news is that you should start to see prices falling on some stuff. Yep. Wait, I need a gasp or something on that. (gasps) Memory chip prices are already on their way down. Memory chip being like the poster child, if you can call a chip a child, of the the supply chain issues of the pandemic. Why? What's causing the prices to come down? Well, there's a lot of things that are causing the prices to come down. Just like inflation, you can say there's a lot of stuff. But if you look at uh, one of my favorite ways of pointing out why chip prices are coming down, if you look at NVIDIA, which is a great company. I'm not recommending you go out and buy it. It is still quite, quite, quite overly priced. But this is, it's a good company. Um, they make very good 
graphics cards, very good graphics cards. If you're a gamer, you know all about that. If you're not a gamer, you probably know about NVIDIA if you know about them because they are the source for a great deal of the crypto mining potential chips. And if you've been looking at headlines at all over the past six months, you'll notice that crypto is in a downward spiral of ouch and agony. Uh, the crashing, spiraling, I'm trying to mix as many metaphors as I possibly can, shipwreck of the crash um, is really affected how many people are doing crypto mining. NVIDIA has been selling a lot of video cards to crypto miners, and they're not selling as many video cards to crypto miners, and that's an understatement. There's a massive shortage of buyers right now for those video cards, which is going to cause the price on those video cards to come down. Inventory at grocery stores and at electronic stores and at clothing stores is massively rising. These things all have a best buy date, including fashion. Unfortunately, that's I don't know when the best buy date is on fashion, but my wife will tell me. Uh, so if you go out to the store and you see they've got a lot of inventory and you're not buying as much as they have, we can expect to start to see sales. So we've talked about the bullwhip effect before and how uneven it has been across the whole economy. When one product is short, start with toilet paper, it's short. So all the grocery stores start demanding more toilet paper from the toilet paper manufacturers and they bring on extra machines and extra people to make toilet paper. They are making as much toilet paper as fast as they can. They got to find the paper, the, the paper sourcing. They've got to get the right pulp, the right wood. They got to get it all together. They've got to get this big supply chain running and then they've got to deliver it. That means they've got to get more trucks because they're trying to deliver more toilet paper than they've ever had to deliver. And eventually the stores have stacks and stacks of toilet paper. And people can only fit so much toilet paper in their storage rooms. So you get the inventory buildup where people are no longer buying toilet paper. Even the most protective of their toilet paper can see that they have more than a decade's worth hidden away somewhere. So suddenly the demand for toilet paper falls off. And the toilet paper manufacturing company is like, man, people must be pooping a lot these days. Man, we're, we're pushing out the toilet paper like crazy. And then the demand goes away. So then they have to lay people off and they've got too many trucks. Well, how do we sell these trucks? We took long loans on these trucks. This is the bullwhip effect. When the supply chain is whipped like it has been, eventually the, the damage gets bounced back and forth enough times that it starts to reach equilibrium. When you just said the GDP and the GDI, there's an economics term when they are not the same number. It's called out of equilibrium. It means that the economy is experiencing something weird right now. This isn't supposed to happen. The bullwhip effect has been all over the place. It's been in the cereal aisle. It's been in um, baby formula. It's been everywhere. And it's not done yet. But a big chunk of it is done. A lot of the bullwhip has already been whipped. Uh, Walmart and Target and Best Buy and Gap, and you just keep going down the list, are saying that their inventories are near full now and they're happy. If we look at pay raises and where they've been coming up the fastest, warehouse employees, 
are one of the top people listed on who's getting paid more recently because we didn't have enough of them. We didn't have enough warehouses. Amazon has burned itself. This is one of the things the new CEO is trying to work with because during the pandemic, we recognized supply chain issues are a real problem. Amazon started a major warehouse purchasing effort across the country, just buying up warehouse space everywhere it could find it because there wasn't enough. Well, now they have a bunch of warehouses that they're starting to build that they're canceling because they're at enough now. What does that mean? It means that prices have to come down. If, if you've got a Best Buy date on your apparel, you got a Best Buy date on the food because it becomes rather unpalatable after a certain period of time. Electronics has it. The, the next version is going to come out before they sell all of this version. If there's a reason to cause an, a recession, this would be it in about six months, maybe a year. I would say a recession in a year is much more reasonable than a recession right now. It doesn't mean that I'm negative about the future. I think this is going to be a good thing. We need to have the recession for the prices to come back down. Otherwise, we have way too expensive stuff in every direction. And I've been talking all by myself about this good news. The good news, now I capped it off by saying it might need a, might, might have a recession at the end of it. I just Economists can never give you just blanket good news. It's not possible. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake. McClure. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally and portfolio management and portfolio management, and that's generally for people with higher net worths. But we make exceptions occasionally, um, and so you can contact us locally. Voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people know phone tree during the week at 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, Thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.